The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I'd like to draw your attention to the book of Isaiah 43, chapter 43, and verse 1. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. In this portion of scripture, uh, the Lord is speaking to his people in the person of Jacob. You remember that Jacob is the great symbol of the elect of God in the scripture. Um, you remember that famous passage of scripture in Romans chapter 9 that tells us that Jacob uh, stands as a uh, representative of, of, of God's election. If you turn to Romans 9 with me very quickly, you'll see where the, the Lord is teaching the fundamental principle of the sovereignty of God and the choice of who is going to be with him in heaven. That's a radical concept for a lot of people. Uh, if you tell people that it's up to them to choose, they're, oh yeah, amen, they're all for that. But when you teach them the truth of God's word that it's not your choice, it is the choice of God as to who is going to heaven. That seems to just unnerve people, doesn't it? And yet, it is that truth that, in understanding that truth, brings great peace and stability to your life. Because you understand that your case is not in your own hands. That it is in the hands of a sovereign God. And because that is the case, you will be with him in glory. Let's look at it very quickly, Romans chapter 9. Again, we're talking about Jacob. And as we mentioned this morning, in reading the Old Testament, it's important to understand that the scriptures are about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he says here in Romans chapter 9, we'll pick it up in verse uh, 7. Neither, uh, excuse me, verse 6. Not as though the word of God had taken out effect, for they are not all Israel, which are of Israel. You need to understand that a person's Physical nationality does not automatically make them a child of God. What makes you a child of God is what is done to you on the inside. It's not who is a natural Israelite, but it is who is a spiritual Israelite that matters with God. In God, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or free. But we are all one in Christ. Paul says back in the third chapter, it is not he that is a Jew outwardly, but he that is a Jew inwardly. Yeah. And circumcision is not of the flesh, but of the heart and the spirit, and not in the flesh, and, and not in the letter, who praises not of men, but of God. Right. See, a natural man can make you a natural Jew, right. but a man cannot make you a spiritual Israelite. Only God can circumcise the heart. So therefore, the praise is not of a man, it's of God, right. who made you that spiritual Israelite. If you are a child of God today, you are maybe a Gentile on the outside, but you are an Israelite spiritually in the sight of God. 
And so he says, because they are the seed of Abraham, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. He's about to point out the fact that Abraham had two children, Isaac and Ishmael, but only Isaac was recognized by God as Abraham's son. And then he says, that is, they which are the children of the flesh, these are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. So it's not who is, um, is a child by, by flesh. It's not Abraham's natural descendants. It is those that are children of the promise. Isaac was the child of promise. And then he's making the point that you can be in the same family with someone, one person being a child of God and one not. One being uh, uh, the elect of God and one not. That's, that's the point he's about to make. Listen to what he says in verse 9. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. Now you remember who Sarah is. And I, um, Abraham's uh, uh, wife, Sarah, was past childbearing age, but God had promised her she was going to have a child. And that child, of course, ends up being Isaac. And not only this, but when Rebecca also had conceived. Now, Rebecca is who? She is the wife, of course, of Isaac. Isaac and Rebecca. You remember where I, uh, Isaac was the uh, son of Abraham. Isaac married Rebecca. And when Rebecca had conceived, he says, by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children being not yet born. Now listen carefully to the sovereignty of God in this text. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil before they ever did anything. So uh, their actions are not going to have any bearing whatsoever on the choice that is made. For the, uh, for the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works. He's emphasizing that nothing these two boys did in their life is going to have any bearing on the choice that God made. Not of works, but of him that calleth. It's not of their works, but it's of God that does the calling. You remember Paul said to Timothy that we are called with the holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's the calling that he's referring to. It was said unto her, talking about um, Rebecca, the mother of these two children, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. In other words, the older child will end up serving the younger child. That was opposite of what was expected in that day. The oldest child was the child who would inherit uh, from his parents. He had the position of leadership. He had the position of authority. That, the old, eldest son was the one that was expected for all the rest of them to have to obey. But here he says, it was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written. And again, whenever you hear that expression, as it is written, somewhere in the Old Testament it's written. You can always count on that. Sometimes the Lord would say, you have heard it said. You may not be able to find that. But if the Lord says, it is written, or if the apostles say, it is written, there is a place in the Old Testament where it is written. And so he says, and of course, we understand uh, uh, that, Paul, that the Lord says, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, there are some people in the world that think that God doesn't, couldn't possibly hate anybody, that God just loves everybody, and that uh, who in the world ever heard? I mean, can you imagine uh, the way that people uh, would react if you told them today that God hates people? <laughs> they, they would just say, you can't, be, you can't be serious, because all they've ever been taught from birth 
if they've been taught anything, is a distorted view of God that he, that he loves and that he would never, ever, ever hurt anybody's feelings, that he would never do anything contrary to their will. And man is sovereign, and God is just simply there as a, kind of like a grandfather that just can't wait to do something for you if you just give him a, a chance. But here the Bible teaches us that God is a sovereign God, that he answers to no one. As a matter of fact, if you look back at Isaiah 43, where, from which our text is taken, notice what the Lord says about himself. And if you want to learn about the Lord, look to just learn about what he, he said about himself. And he says in Isaiah 43, uh, verse 10, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me. Uh, and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed. There's no God that was ever before God. God has always been. He's eternal. Before me there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. There's no God that's going to come after God. There's only one living and true God. He's always been, always will be. He is eternal. You remember what he told Moses? When Moses said, who do I tell the children of Israel that is sending me? He said, I am that I am. Tell the children of Israel, I am has sent you unto them. In other words, I'm existence. I'm eternal existence. You tell the children of Israel I, that I am has sent you. I want to tell you, child of God, today, if you don't think that the devil uh, um, is trying to, um, uh, every opportunity that he can to blaspheme that great truth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you next time you go to the... And I don't want to get mad. <laughs> but the next time you go buy dog food, <clears throat> you, you don't think the devil isn't working every single time you turn around in this world? The scripture here says, the Lord says, I, even I am the Lord. I am the Lord. Understand that that is God's name. I am. I, capital I, capital A, capital M. I am has sent you unto, uh, you Moses unto them. Child of God, we need to understand that we are not that. Right. We are what? The Apostle Paul didn't say, by the grace of God, I am that I am. Right. He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Right. Yeah, God Almighty is I am that I am. He is self-existent. He is everything that he ever was or ever will be. We don't add anything to him or take anything away from him. I can't take it away from him. But you and I, if we're anything at all that is beneficial, it is by his grace. His grace has made us what we are. All right, so he says, I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. Looks like everybody could get that straight, doesn't it? Nobody else in the world is the Savior except God. God said, I'm the Savior, not your preacher, not the evangelist. I am. I, even I, am uh, uh, the Lord, and beside me there is no Savior. I have declared and have saved and I have shewed. When there was no strange God among you, therefore ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work. And who will let, who shall let it? I love that verse of scripture. I will work and who shall let it? Have you ever heard him say, well, you know, you got to let God in. You got to let God save you. God's not going to save you if you don't let him. God can't help it. You know, sometimes I think, like I said, I'm not going to get aggravated this afternoon. But, I, but sometimes I hear people say, that, well, God doesn't have any hands if he doesn't use yours. God doesn't have any feet if he doesn't. Give me a break. The Bible tells me that the clouds are the dust of his feet. The Bible says my hand is not short that it cannot save. The, the Almighty God doesn't need my hands and feet. God can use them. 
for his glory, but he doesn't need them. He said, if I did anything, I wouldn't tell you. <laughs> God is self-existent. He says, I have declared and shewed and saved. I have shewed when there was no strange God among you. Therefore, you're my witness to say the Lord that I am God. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work. And who shall let it? If God wants to save you, friend, you couldn't stop him if you tried. I don't know why somebody would want to stop him, but it, you, you ever heard someone say, you know, the Lord saved me against my will. I didn't want to be saved, but here I am saved. I, I don't know why the Lord did that. I, I, of course not. The reason why you want to be saved is because you are. If you weren't saved, you wouldn't want to be. I've never met a dead sinner that wanted to be saved but I never met one that was a sinner that was saved that didn't want to be saved. Again, have you ever heard somebody complaining that the Lord just saved me against my will? I, I tried to resist, but he didn't. No, the, the, the desire to be saved came from the salvation. The reason why you want to be alive is because you are alive. Isn't that glorious? So the Lord said, I'm, I'm the Lord. I'm in charge. I'm sovereign. Now let's go back to Romans 9. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand. What is God's purpose? His purpose is to save his people from their sins. His purpose is to have a people in heaven to worship him. His purpose is according to his election, his choice. A lot of people talk about the election that's coming up. A lot of people worried to death that the Russians are going to you know, fiddle around with our election and where they're going to they're gonna mess with it and they're going to... Let me tell you something. The Russians have been messing with, the, uh, with America ever since Russia came into being, ever since America was around. I mean, people, if, you know, people that don't know history, it doesn't take long to deceive them. But anyway, the point is this, is that... <laughs> the point is this, is that here is an election... That cannot be tampered with because the, the, the polls were closed before the foundation of the world. It's too late for you to make a, a decision. It's too late for you to make a choice. The, the vote's over. The election's over. Praise God for that. There was nobody there to mess up the election because God was only there by himself. And therefore, the election went exactly the way that it was supposed to go. And nobody could tamper with the results. Praise God for that. The Lord said, I, I will save and no man can take the bat of my hand. Remember that in Isaiah 43? For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. It was said to her, the elder shall serve the younger, as it is written. Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. People say, I, that doesn't sound right. I just can't believe God would hate anybody. That doesn't seem fair. You know what? Paul knew people were going to say that. So in the next verse, he says, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is God unfair? God forbid. What kind of blasphemy is it to even suggest such a thing? Everything God does is right. Because God says it's right. <laughs> All right. Uh, what shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Is God unfair to love Jacob and hate Esau? God forbid. For he saith to Moses. Now listen to what he says to Moses. I will have mercy on who will get willing. And let me. No. You know, you know that's some other version. That ain't King James. Listen to what the Lord actually said. 
I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. God decides who he wants to bless. Listen to me very carefully. I was watching a minister on television one time being interrogated by um, Antichrist. Um, and when I say Antichrist, I don't mean like the Antichrist, but an anti-Christian atheist who was questioning this minister about a plane crash. The minister had made the statement that God in his mercy had blessed a certain number of people to survive. And he was praising God for the blessing of, out of so many hundreds of people that died, several scores of people had survived. He said, God blessed them. And this atheist looked at him and says, well, what, what about the people that died? Go, why, why, did, why did they die? Why didn't God bless them? And that man looked at him and I thought, this is a, this answer. <clears throat> that man looked at him and that preacher looked at him and said, God is sovereign. Amen. God can save who he wants to save. Amen. You may not like that, but that's the way that it is. Right. I personally like that. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled about it because I'm not worried about the. I'm not. It doesn't amaze me that God saved, that didn't save people. What does amaze me is that God saves anybody. Uh, what, what's amazing about grace is, is that you're saved, that I'm saved. I'm, I don't say this to be irreverent, but I, I wouldn't be surprised when I get to heaven people say, I told you salvation by grace. Lonnie Mazingo just showed up. I'm telling you that it's amazing that even the thought that God would have mercy upon a vile, corrupt person like me. I have the only, I, my hope is built on nothing less, the songwriter said, than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust this sweetest frame, but holy lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground. The minute you step away from your hope in Christ, everything else is sinking sand. I want to tell you, I've been in the deep mire. Where there is no standing. And I can tell you, there's only one solid place to stand. The apostle, the psalmist David said, he had brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He had put, a, uh, he had put my, planted my feet upon a rock and put a new song in my mouth and established my goings and even praises unto our God. Yeah. Let, me, let me get that straight. He said, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He had uh, put, planted my feet upon a rock and put a new song on my mouth, even praises unto our God. Yeah. And then he says, many shall see it in fear and tr shall trust in the Lord. Right. People saw what God did for David, yeah. how that God lifted him up out of the miry clay of his sins and blessed him as the sweet psalmist of Israel. And his enemies were terrified of him. Right. Many feared, but many also praised God for what he had done. Right. And that's what God will do in your life. Right. He says... Uh, so, so the question is not, why did God not save everybody on that plane? The question is, why did he save anybody on that plane? The question is not, why didn't God save everybody? The question is, why does he save anybody? And especially me. Why would he do that? You know the only answer? There's only one answer. If you get right down to it, and you're honest with yourself, if God has blessed you, to see yourself for what you are, not for what your mama told you you are, not 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 all those people lying to you at work, uh, not not that, not what you lie to yourself whenever you look at yourself in the mirror, but whenever you really, when God opens your eyes to see your corrupt, depraved human nature, and what you are without God's grace, and you're honest with yourself, you look back, brother Coy. 
I said he doesn't like to look back very much. Uh, you know, that's good sound gospel. Yeah. Uh, don't look back. Because you get to looking back, you'll get in a state of depression you can't come out of. You need to look up forward to the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way that uh, Peter was able to walk on that water is whenever he kept his eyes on the Lord. But anyway, um, if you're honest with yourself by grace, if God's grace has blessed you to see yourself for what you are, then you know deep down inside there is not one single thing about you that would make God want to choose you. And he did it anyway. Right. Why? Why then, if there's nothing about me at all that's attractive? I love whenever the Lord told the children of Israel, he said, when I passed by thee, he said, I saw thee polluted in thine own blood. You talk about corrupt, that's the, that's the bottom pit right there. That baby was laying there dead, polluted in its own blood. You say, how do you know that baby was dead? Because the Lord said, I said unto thee, live. The Lord had to give that dead baby life. He said, well now, he said, your mother, your father was a Hittite, your mother was an Amorite. In other words, you came from a corrupt source. That's all of us today. Yeah. All right, when we're born in this world, we're born corrupt, polluted in our own blood. Our, our blood carries the sin, the depraved sin of Adam in it. Right. The reason why we sin is because we're sinners. Right. We're only acting out what we already are right. by nature. I want to tell you how God that, but you know what the Lord said? He said, whenever I passed by thee and I saw thee, he said, it was the time of love. Amen. He saw that baby and he loved that baby. Right. And he said, I said unto that, he said, I said unto thee, live. He first gave that baby life. Right. Then he, he spread his skirt over that child. He, he adorned that child. And he, he gave all the ornaments of his grace and his righteousness and his holiness to that child. That child was beautiful. Through his beauty. Amen. It was beautiful because of his beauty. I'm looking at the most beautiful people on earth right now. My eyes are beholding the most beautiful people on earth. I got to tell you, I'm not looking at people that are beautiful because of their outward appearance. I'm looking at people that are beautiful because of what is inside of you. What God has done for your soul. I can see the grace in your heart and in your life. I can behold the beauty that God has put there. The beauty of his holiness. Let me tell you something. When, where did God find you? Where did he, whenever he delivered you, where did he find you? He may have found you in the womb like he did John the Baptist. Or he may find you at your death door like he did the thief on the cross. But if you're one of his, he's going to say to you, live. Amen. Amen. So, he said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And if you're honest with yourself, there's no, so what is the answer? Why did God choose you? Why did God choose you and not somebody else? Why did God choose you? And uh, you say, well, brother, I think God chose everybody to give everybody a chance. Oh, really? Where do you find that in the scripture? You don't find that in the word of God. That's in the book of Jabbo. It's not in the word of God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's in, uh, well, anyway. The point is this. That if, if you get right down to it, there is nothing about you are polluted in your own corruption by nature. So why then would the Lord love you in that condition? You know what the Bible says about us before the Lord gets a hold of us? That we are his enemies. One reason why the Lord tells you to love your enemies is because that's what he did for you. When we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. It was our sins that nailed him to that cross. Don't get bogged down in the fact that the 
that the Jews uh, called for his crucifixion. Don't get bogged down in the fact that it was Roman soldiers that nailed. You get, you get this in your head. Jesus would have never been there to begin with if it hadn't been for your sin, and I do hope mine. All right, so, so what, what is the answer? The answer is, why, did God, why would God choose me? Why? Because something about me is so attractive? No. Hopefully you understand by grace there's nothing attractive about you to God. There's nothing in you to attract God. You say, then why? Why then did God choose me? You, you ready for the answer? Here it comes. Because that's what he wanted to do. That's the only reason. When you get to heaven, you'll only be there for one reason. He decided to bring you there. He decided to send his son to die for your sins. And he decided to send his spirit into your heart. And he decided his son to come back and get you and take you home. That's the only reason you'll be there. And that's why you'll give him all the glory. <laughs> That'll wake you up in the afternoon. I don't care how much you ate. I will have, the Lord said, I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God doesn't have to have compassion on anybody, but praise God, he has compassion on poor sinners. Amen. So then, it is not of him that willeth. Don't tell me you got to get willing. The Lord said it's not of him that willeth. And by the way, before you're born again, you've got a will noteth. That's right. You don't, don't have a willeth. You have a will noteth. Amen. That's right. Show favor to the wicked. He will not learn righteousness, the Bible said. He will not do it. Jesus told those wicked Pharisees, ye will not come to me that you might have life. <laughs> a, man, a depraved man will, does not have a will Amen. for God. Right. He has a will not. Right. But the Lord said, in that day my people shall be a willing people in the day of my power. Amen. I will work in them both to will and to do of my good pleasure. Right. All right, It's God that worketh in you, both to will and to do. If you've got a will, if you've got a desire, and you have an ability, it's because God gave it to you by grace. So then it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth. Don't talk to me about outrunning the devil till I die. <clears throat> See, first you got to get rid of the Armenians over here. Right. Not people from Armenia. The followers of the teachings of James Arminius. Right. <clears throat> and, and then the second part of this verse, you get rid of the Calvinist. Right. <clears throat> shock, shock. I hate to break the news to you, but Primitive Baptists were preaching the truth long before John Calvin Amen. ever came to this world, and he never preached the truth. Amen. Right. He preached a perversion of it Amen. that has deceived countless multitudes of millions of people. That's right. <sighs> Brother, so you glad you came. Yes, <laughs> Southern is not here. So. Is don't talk to me about persevering to the end, running out, running the devil till you die, because it's not of him that runneth. You're not going to get to heaven and say, well, Lord, I finally, you know, I ran hard, I outran the devil, I made it. No, it's not of him that willeth. It's, it's not of him that runneth. There's the two major perversions of Christianity. Him that willeth, you got to get willing. Him that runneth, you got you to persevere. No, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth. Thank God. When was the last time you outrun the devil? When was the last, let me tell you something. I got a little news for you. He's faster than you are. Amen. <clears throat> but praise God, he's not faster than my Savior. Amen. It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Yes. You will not be in heaven because you got willing. 
You will not be in heaven because you outrun the devil. You will be in heaven because of God's mercy. That's the only reason you'll be there. Won't that be wonderful? There won't be any discussion about who gets the the glory. Because we're all going to be there for the same reason. In God's mercy, he chose me to go. You say, why did he choose you and not somebody else? You'll have to ask him. Do you understand? I'm not trying to be glib or... You know, flip, I'm telling you, he's the only, because it pleased him to do it that way. He's sovereign. That tears people up, doesn't it? They just can't understand the thought that God's in control. Oh, they like to talk about God being in control. Every time a hurricane comes, oh, well, you know, we don't know why God did this to us, but he's got a per. Come on. You know why that there are floods and famines and viruses in this world? You want to get real this afternoon? Let's do. You want to know why that's all that? Because of man. Amen. By man came death. Quit blaming God for what you do. Amen. The consequences of sin is that by man came death. And death passed upon all men. And death comes in many different ways. Whenever a hurricane comes, I'm not standing there trying to figure out why God is, is, is sending. I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to pray to God to deliver me from it. And the people I love from it. Deliver me through it. You say, well, Brother Lonnie, why why, why does God save some people from a tornado? He's sovereign. Do you understand? He's sovereign. But that sovereign God is also a God who is a God of mercy. And whenever you go to him in prayer and you ask for his deliverance, he has the deliverance you need. All right? I'm almost through. But what does he say? I will have mercy upon whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that sheweth mercy. It's God's mercy that, that, um, that you are one of his. All right? Now, back to our text. The Lord says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. If you are... If you get this straight in your mind, you'll be a happy person. You are not an accident of evolution. You are a created person by a creator. His name is God. Therefore, since God created you, your life doesn't belong to you. And if you are born again, you are a new creature in Christ. And therefore, you owe your whole life to God. All of us... Oh, God, our praise, just as a result of being on the earth. We're heirs of the grace of life. Just just God letting us live is the grace of of life. The unmerited favor of God letting us live. But if you're born again, you are a new creature. You owe your salvation to the one who created you in Christ Jesus. Okay? So, the Lord says, remember now, he's talking to Jacob, but he's talking to you. God loved Jacob and hated Esau. Why? Because God wanted to love Jacob and not Esau. That's why. God chose Jacob and did not choose Esau. And these people that are, you know, these people, you know, sympathy for the devil, people that are crying and whining and worrying about Esau. Listen, the miracle in that text is that God chose Jacob. And the miracle in that text is he chose you. And if you're one of his, he's talking to you. But now listen to what he says. I'm about to wrap it up. Stick with me now. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, 
and he that formed thee, O Israel. Again, it's not he that is an Israel, it's not he that is a Jew on the out, is, is he that is a Jew inwardly. This is spiritual Israel. For I have redeemed thee. You know, he says, fear not. What does the Lord say to Jacob? What does he say to you, the chosen of God? He says to you, fear not. Now you think about all the things that there are to be afraid of today. There are people right now that are paralyzed with fear. They will not even go out of their home. Now look, I, I, I want to get this important point. I'm not trying to be irresponsible and say throw caution to the wind. Right. You don't have to worry about the coronavirus. Listen, uh, I believe in all of us acting responsibly in a time right. whenever there's a virus going around that can harm people that we love. Right. I, believe, I, I believe in acting responsibly. But there is a difference in acting responsibly and being paralyzed Amen. with fear and staying inside of your home scared to death so that you cannot function. What does the Lord say? Fear not. Think of all the things that there are to fear in this world. All the things. You just think about, just go, go down the list of things that there are to be afraid of while the list is endless, is it not? And yet here is the Lord saying, fear not. Why not be afraid? Why not fear? Well, the Lord doesn't leave you to wonder. He gives you the answer. Fear not. For I have redeemed thee. In other words, I bought you with the precious blood of my son. You and he says, I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. You know why you're going to make it? Because you belong to God. God's never lost a case yet. Thou art mine. You're not the preachers. You're not the soul winners. You're not the churches. You belong to the one that created you. Thou, the one that redeemed you. Thou art mine. All right? Now, when, when, not if. I thought about this whenever Brother Coy was preaching. He says, when, not if thou passest through the waters. If you live very long in this world, you're going to pass through them. There is no immunity to suffering in this world. And the Lord didn't say that whenever you start uh, living for him, all your troubles will go away. As a matter of fact, that's where the devil gets on your trail when you're trying to live for the Lord. All right, but what does he say? When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. There is no depth of the ocean of troubles in this world that you can get to where the Lord isn't already there. Amen. David said, if I make my bed in the belly of hell, lo, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and fly away, Thou art there. Listen, the Lord is everywhere present, nowhere absent. He's with you. Thou art, he said, um, I will be with thee and through the rivers. They shall not overflow thee. It, you may think they are, but he said they won't overflow you. Why? He says, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, not if thou walkest through the fire, when thou walkest through the fire, the fiery trials of this world, when thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked through the fire. But their Lord was in that fire with them. And when they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke. Because the Lord preserved them. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I don't have time to read it all. We've got to skip, skip a couple of verses because I've got to wrap this up. Look at what he says in verse 5. Verse 4. Since thou was precious in my sight... Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. 
Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. You know what he's talking about? The second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The gathering of the elect family of God from all four quarter corners of the earth. He said, I, he said I, I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, hold not back. Oh, what glorious words these are. When the day when the Lord Jesus Christ says to, his, to the north that is holding his elect children in the clutches of, of the frozen tundra of the north, give it up. Give them up their mind. Whenever the Lord looks down to the south, the burning hot desert sands of this world that are holding the bodies of his elect, and he says to the south, hold not back. You can't hold back one of God's elect on the glorious morning of the resurrection. We're all going to come forth in the moment of the twinkle of an eye. He says, I will say to the north to give up, and to the south, hold not back. <clears throat> um... Uh, keep not back, keep not back, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. No matter where one of God's elect children are, the very ends of the earth, on the glorious morning of the resurrection, they will come forth. They will be gathered to the Lord. He says, I will say to the north, give up and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Even everyone that is called by my name. If you're a child of God, you're called by the name of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. You have Christ's name. He says, and even the people that don't know his name have his name. Because he puts that name in their heart and on their forehead. Anyway, he says, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Who is him in that text? Who is it whose seed is brought from the north and the south and the east and the west? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who it is. That God Almighty has his son. If you look back in Isaiah 42, you find out that that chosen person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody in Christ is chosen in him. According as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Now, we'll wrap it up with this. I sure wish I didn't have to. But y'all have been mighty patient. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reward you for that. But if you, go to the, if you go to the book of Habakkuk, you'll find at the end, end of that book that the prophet says this. He says, though the, the fig tree doesn't blossom. In other words, the stock market crashes. Are you with me? Have I gotten your attention yet? Uh, though everything I work for is gone out the window overnight. Uh, Everything, all, all, all the security that I had in life, you know, all the security that I had, I, I, I thought I was, I thought everything was set. I'd worked hard and saved up. I thought I had, and now all of a sudden, overnight, the panic that has been created has caused all of that to be taken away. <clears throat> There are people today who have had everything they've ever worked for taken away from them in just a matter of a few days. Now, how can you survive that? Listen to what Habakkuk says. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, 
The labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. In other words, complete total financial ruin for a farmer. A cattleman, a sheep herder, this is complete. In other words, it's talking about a person whose life has been destroyed financially. See, over here in Isaiah 43, he's telling you not to be afraid. Even though there's a plague going around, you don't be afraid. I'm with you. You say, Brother Lonnie, does that mean I won't, I won't get sick and die? Is that what that means? That's not what that means. It means that if you do get sick and die, he's with you. Amen. Amen. You need to get that in your mind and heart. He's with you all the way through. Some say, I want to go all the way to the end. The wonderful thing about the Lord is he just keeps going with you when the end comes. Amen. Because whenever you close your eyes in death on this side, you open your eyes in glory on the other side. Amen. Immediately. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. You don't have to be afraid. I'm not saying don't use common sense. I'm not saying don't be cautious. I'm just saying you don't have to be terrified. Because no matter what happens... The Lord is not going to abandon you. Right. He is with you. He said, I will never leave thee. He didn't say, I'll never leave you unless some virus comes along that I can't handle. He said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Listen to what? That, that's, that takes care of that part of But here, listen to what this is taking care of. This is taking care of financial ruin. So you survive, but you're wiped out. That's a real possibility. I, I, I know nobody wants to think about that. But that's a real possibility that you can survive, but be wiped out financially. But listen to what Habakkuk says. He says, although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Complete financial destruction. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. Amen. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet. Amen. You know what a hind is? It's, it's, it's a deer. Yeah. The loving hind, the loving roe, the, 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 this hind is a female deer who is following the roe. Okay? You know what it means to have hind's feet? Thank you for being so patient, but i gotta, I got to get this out. You know what it means to have hinds feet? It means that that female deer who is following that roe buck, who is following her uh, husband, who's following her mate, and she's following, wherever, if he jumps from one, one cliff to another, she can do the same thing. Because she's got the same kind of hooves that he has. As the more you follow the Lord, listen, if you forget everything else I said this afternoon, the more you follow your Savior in this world, the more your feet will get like his feet. Amen. You'll have hind's feet, and you can leap across the canyons of darkness and trial and tribulation and depression. You can stand upon the high rocks of salvation and look out over the beautiful creation of a holy God. You can rejoice even whenever everything's falling apart down here. You're way up here because you've got hind's feet. He says, the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. 
mine high places. What are the high places? I believe we're on one right now, don't you? I believe I'm standing on a high place right now. And the reason we are here is because he has made our feet like hind's feet. Child of God, I want you to I'm close out with this. I, I said 14 times I was going to quit. This is really it. The Lord, the, the, the apostle Paul told the church at Philippi, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You cannot always, you can't rejoice in your circumstances. Always. You can't always rejoice in how things are going in your life. But you can always rejoice in the Lord. You can always rejoice in what he did for you at Calvary. You can always rejoice in the fact that he's coming back to take you home to live with him. And you may get wiped out down here. I hope you don't. I hope things turn around, everybody prospers, and happy days are here again for everybody. I'll still be as broke as I was before it all fell apart, but I, I, I'm holding out hope for you guys. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. I've got riches that this world cannot take away from me. I've laid up for myself treasures where moth and dust cannot corrupt. No virus can take it away from me. No panic over a virus can take it away from me because there are treasures laid up in heaven. <laughs> you can't always rejoice in the circumstances of life. But you can always, you, when you're standing next to the grave of the person you love the most in this world, you can still rejoice in the Lord because you know you're going to see that loved one again in the resurrection. Because he rose, you'll rise, and your loved one will arise. He said, let your moderation be known to all men. This is a time for God's people to, to glorify God by being stable while everybody else is falling apart. Let your moderation, your stability be made known unto all men. You say, how in the world can I be calm when everybody else is panicking? Because you remember the next part of that verse. Yeah. The Lord is at hand. Amen. He's right there. Yeah. There was a little boy on an airplane one time that, that I thought about, you know, an airship. There was a little boy on an airship, an airplane one time. It was in the middle of a great storm. And the people on the plane were panicking. There were grown adults, there were adults, grown men weeping. There were people screaming with terror because the plane was being knocked down by wind shears and, and thrown back up, up and down, up and down in the dark, in the storm. And it felt like the plane was going to come apart. And there was a little boy sitting up against the window and he's playing, he was playing a game on his phone. And this lady looked at him and she said, son, she said, don't you realize that we're in trouble? Don't you realize this plane, this boy, why, are you, why aren't you upset like everybody else? He said, my daddy's the pilot. Isn't that glorious? My dad's the pilot. Well, I want to tell you something, your heavenly father is in charge. I love you. May God bless you with my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.